Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special program of AM 1260 The Rock, Cleveland Catholic Radio. This is some of our Wisdom from the Rock. I'm Dick Russ, producer of our programs, Dan Dealey, and most importantly is our guest. He's on the phone with us today, Joe Heschmeyer. Joe, we want to welcome you to The Rock again. Uh, your familiar voice to all our listeners here, but we've got you to ourselves for a while, so uh, welcome to Cleveland uh, via this podcast. Well, thanks. It's good to be here. So, Joe, folks know who you are through uh, your, your appearances uh, very regularly on, on Catholic Answers. Catholic Answers, as here in Cleveland, as it is in virtually every uh, city where it's broadcast through the EWTN radio network, is always one of the most popular shows. That has rung true for years and years. Joe, what, what's your background on Catholic Answers? And from your point of view, why is it so captivating that people really are, are interested enough to learning things about our, our faith, or even if they're not Catholics, about the Catholic faith, uh, over an extended period of, you know, time during a day and throughout the week, and then, you know, the weeks become months and, and into years? What is that? That's a, that's a very good question. Uh, and so in terms of my own experience, I'd say it's it's twofold. I have, one, been a long-time listener to Catholic Answers uh, Live, and, you know, uh, will often tune in, and uh, I've also been a contributor to it. I, I started contributing to the show in terms of being on the show actually longer than I've been at Catholic Answers as an apologist. So right now I'm full-time uh, an employee of Catholic Answers. I, uh, the motto of Catholic Answers is to explain and defend the faith. So I go across the country doing some version of that in all different ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, but even before I was doing that as a full-time job, I would you know, call into the show and, and be on the show on occasion. And, and so in terms of the, kind of the experience as to what the draw is there, I think it might be this, that everybody has questions about the faith. Everybody, that doesn't mean doubts. It just means that there's some area where you say, hmm, you know, I, I've had this Bible study, and I don't know if I came to the right answer on this, or I was listening to Scripture today at Mass, and something just jumped out, or there's this particular moral question that came up at work. There's all of those kind of issues, and we weren't made to go alone. I mean, this is not a religion of one. And so being able to say, hey, has anyone, you know, tackled these things before? And it turns out when you, when you call in, Overwhelmingly, the answer is yeah. There, there's an answer out there, and here's what we can here's what we can offer you. And so I think it can be really helpful for people, uh, certainly for callers, for being able to get a personalized answer. But I think also just for people listening, even if they don't have a question that immediately jumps to mind that they need answered, they want to hear those other questions and those other answers because it, it speaks to those things where we can say, aha, you know, maybe I never knew that. Uh, and I, I think it it does that in a way that. Doing an hour on a particular topic, that can be great if, if you're really passionate about that topic. But if you're not looking to explore one area really deeply, then having a, a wide-ranging question and answer format can be a good way to go. Yeah, the reason we're talking with Joe uh, Heschmeyer today is because on Saturday, March 2nd, uh, Joe's going to be here in town in the Cleveland area. It is the annual Catholic Men's Fellowship of Northeast Ohio men's conference. And, and and those of you listening who have been there and who are interested in this, I, I really encourage you to, to either attend again or make plans to be there. It's March 2nd. You can find them on, uh, online. I'll give you that a couple of times uh, in, in a little bit. 
but it's at the Holiday Inn and Independence, so it's centrally located. Uh, Joe is one of the main conference speakers there. Uh, Auxiliary Bishop Woost will start things off with Mass. Uh, Also speaking is Father Thomas Blau. He's a Dominican. Uh, Actually, he's a Cleveland native, uh, Joe, Father Blau, and uh, he's down in Columbus now. This men's conference, in a kind of a condensed one-day format, kind of does what Catholic Answers does. All these men, hundreds of men come in there, Joe. They are full of questions, full of, I would say, answers or explanations that they may have received in the course of their lives. And we're all trying to sort this thing out, man. So particularly from men and for men, what are some attractive things in your point of view, uh, Joe, for men to get together and kind of hash this out among themselves? Oh, yeah. You know, this is an area where uh, when there's men's groups versus women's groups, I, I think this is the experience of every diocese. It'll be about a two-to-one ratio. Women tend to be much better at getting together and forming women's groups than, than men are at getting together and forming men's groups. And yet, men need that. I mean, we, we need someone to be shoulder-to-shoulder with. You don't want to be trying to go to the spiritual life alone. You weren't made for it, and you're not strong enough to do that. And so it's, it's good to be able to come together. You know, in the Epistle to the Hebrews, we're warned not to abstain from the assembly of the brethren. And the reason is because it's, it's an important part of encouragement. And that's, that's all different things. Even something as simple as coming to Mass, it makes a difference. You know, when you go into an empty church that just seems spiritually dead, or you go into a bustling church that just seems on fire, you experience that at a very basic level in a, in a really different way. And so other people showing up has that effect on you, whether you're even cognizant of it or not. Well, likewise, having the ability to come together and to pray together and to just be shoulder to shoulder, you're brought into something that's, that's exhilarating and exciting, and it, it's really, uh, I think, a powerful experience. You know, one of, the, one of the things we often, I think, fail to do as Catholics is to really have that culture of invitation you know, we imagine that what most people are looking for is something like uh, Catholic Answers Live. You know, that, oh, they have all these questions, and sometimes, sure, but other times what they're looking for is just a connection and community. You know, something like 10% of men, when polled, said they have no close friends, and they're just going through this life really alone. And so just being invited to something, and especially something centered around Jesus Christ, is a really important thing for them, where maybe it's not answering a theological question they've, they've got. Maybe it's answering just that longing of the heart that they've been looking for, and it, it's filling it in this really Christ-centered way. Any man, any woman, anyone, Joe, uh, I, I think is internally looking for something. What is it? You know, everybody is—we've all known these, quote, seekers, and, and we know as Catholics that, you know, there is an ultimate end to our search, and it's, it's, it's the way, the truth, and, and the life in the, in the person of Jesus. But guys today, Joe, they're hesitant to get together. Sometimes you feel like you're alone. The world has changed. It's like every year or two, the, the problems and the issues and the challenges of just being here, like double, <laughs> right? And stuff you've never seen before. Uh, guys are walking around going, uh, I've got a, a wife, maybe, and, and family and kids and grandkids, and I got this job, and, I, and all of this stuff in society is just hitting me upside the head every day. W- where do I go? And you're right. It's not always like you would say inviting. 
So for the guy just kind of walking around out there, Joe, and maybe is tuned into this program, what do you get when you come to a place like the men's conference? And we're specifically talking about, you know, the Catholic Men's Fellowship Conference on March 2nd here. What do you get when you go online, take a look, sign up, walk in the door? Yeah, so you get a lot of things. I think one of the things you get is, is right there in the name, you get fellowship. And as I just said, I think that's something really important. Uh, and being able to have that time to, you know, come and have Mass together, listen to talks together, the bishop's going to be there, and then to also have those times for things like table discussion. So, you know, like for instance, after my talk, there's time for just guys to break out for 10 minutes and just talk together uh, in, at their table. And it doesn't mean you have to have some, some brilliant, profound thought, but it means that you get to kind of process what you just heard with other people. And that kind of thing, I think, can be really good. Now, there's also a personal commit, the personal kind of testimony portion, too, because you don't want it to just be, oh, yeah, you know, all of this stuff about the Eucharist sounds great in theory, and maybe I can see how it, it crosses the, the T's and dots the I's of the biblical evidence, fine. But being able to be like, oh, no, no, but more than that, this is actually central to who we are. Being able to hear people kind of witness to that, I think can be a really important thing as well. So, you, you know, you've got this combination of fellowship, uh, conversation, and spirituality all centered around the most important topic uh, in the world. So you, you do this all the time. You do it on the radio with Catholic Answers. You do it at conferences and, and so on, large groups, smaller groups. What are some of the main things that men, young and older, middle-aged, come up to you and you go, hey, hey, Joe, it's a good thing that you're here, man. I came to your thing. I want to ask you about this. Can I talk to you about this? What What are some of the main themes here, like in 2024, that are rattling around in guys' heads that they, you know, they see you, they hear you talk, and they come up to you, and they trust you, and they go, I mean, I, I got to talk to you about this. You know, I think there's a, there's a wide range. So especially guys who have kids and grandkids, it's a lot of times going to be, what do I do here? You know, maybe... I've got these kids, and they're teenagers, and they, they don't seem to be very interested in what we have to offer as Catholics, and I feel like I've maybe let them down, and, and it feels too late. And is there any hope, and is there anything we can do? There, there's a lot of that, uh, particularly as, you know, they, they heard what you had to say as, as Catholic dad, and maybe you, you were really rock solid, or maybe you stumbled some. And then they heard what the world had to say. And, and for many of them, it seems like they're wanting what the world, at least right now, has to offer. And I think that that causes a lot of distress. And so I, I think there's a lot of that. Second, I think there's a lot of guys who are, maybe they've got younger kids, or maybe they don't have kids yet, and they just want to know, like, am I, am I going the right way? Am I doing this the right way? Or is this going to be something I look back on now? and deeply regret. And, and by the way, those two groups of guys, it's really good to have them together, where the guys who've already been down that road and said, here's what I would do different if I had the chance to do it all over again, are shoulder to shoulder with the guys saying, I don't know what I'm doing, but I hope I'm doing this the right way. Like having those two guys next to each other can be really important and influential. But a lot of times those people will come up and they'll, they'll talk about you know, whatever is going on in their life. And that can be, you know, many times they just need the word of encouragement to just know, like, oh, you know, you're doing the right thing, or maybe there's a particular issue and we can say, yeah, maybe do that differently and, and instead of 
going about it that way. Those kind of questions are pretty common. Yeah, and, and you know what, I, Joe, I think those things don't really happen spontaneously very much in, quote, real life. You know, two guys meet each other and like, hey, what's going on with you? Oh, I got, yeah, I'm okay. How about you? Yeah, everything's good. And and there it goes. There's, there's got to be, at some point, that time for introspection, right? And, yeah, uh, a, a, you know, and to at least somebody to trust that that you can say, look, man, I, I've got this I've got this problem or I've got this issue or this thing's going on in our lives. And I'm just kind of wondering, I don't think that talk goes on, you know, at a bar or something like that. Or uh, but here at a men's conference, you can you can feel, I think, that safety. Right. You know, everybody there is there for kind of a similar reason. You're going to get something out of it. Wouldn't you think that's the case? Yeah, I, I do. And this is, again, I think an area where men and women are kind of different. You know, my my wife, uh, she could go into any number of women's groups, to women she doesn't even know really well, and just say, hey, this thing's going on with uh, raising kids. And immediately, a bunch of women would be happy to kind of relate to her experience if she had advice to give, uh, to receive her advice, or if she needed advice to, to give it. And I think for, for men, especially with maybe men you don't know as well, that doesn't usually, you don't start at that level of intimacy. You don't start at that level of kind of vulnerability. That has to be something where you have to be a little more conscious of creating that space because to say, I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm worried I've done this the wrong way, or I'm worried I'm doing this the wrong way, you have to set the conditions right for people to be able to to go there. And, and in many people, it's not even top of the mind where maybe it takes them really, like you said, having some opportunity for introspection, having some opportunity to, you know, speak with God, that they realize, like, okay, you know, I hadn't even realized this was going on, but this is the thing that's actually going on right now. Something that I wanted to bring up about the men's conference and about our relationship with Christ and each other, you mentioned it early on in our little program here, and we're talking with Joe Heschmeyer of Catholic Answers. Joe's coming into the uh, Catholic Men's Conference on Saturday, March 2nd at the Holiday Inn in Independence, so I'll give you the website right now. It's uh, CMFNEO, Catholic Men's Fellowship, NortheastOhio.com, CMFNEO.com, the Holy Eucharist. So we are now kind of uh, in the last third of the big emphasis uh, through the Catholic Bishops Conference and through most, many or most dioceses, uh, of special attention to the Holy Eucharist, right? The, The summit of our faith. In relationship to men, how will we approach this topic of the reality of the Holy Eucharist and what it can mean in our lives. So, you know, you mentioned the Eucharist is the summit of our faith. You know, the phrase Vatican II actually uses is the source and summit. So as the summit, it's a high point. This is the most important doctrine. If we are made for an intimate communion with God, here is the deepest and most profound way of having intimate union with God here on Earth, is having this union even at a bodily and spiritual level. Um, there's uh, one of the early Church Fathers, St. Gregory of Nyssa, points out that, you know, as a human, you're not just a soul, you're not just a body, you're the union of body and soul. And so Christ meets you and encounters you. And so we encounter Christ spiritually at the level of faith and bodily at the level of the Eucharist. And so these things belong together. And so it's the idea is that both body and soul were hurt in original sin, and so Jesus wants to encounter us, both body and soul, as the healer. And so I think that's the first, the, you know, this is, as I said, the summit, but it's source and summit. 
And so the, as the source of the faith, one of the things I hope to kind of emphasize is how are all of these other parts of Christianity related to the Eucharist, where if you get the Eucharist right, I think one of the things we're going to be surprised to see is these seemingly unrelated areas fall into place in a different way, that once you have the right view of the Eucharist, you have those kind of light bulb moments for making sense of things like the cross or worship or, you know, even the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, which seems so strange when you first read it, it makes sense in the light of the Eucharist. And so I want to kind of highlight that dimension of saying, okay, let's make sure that we don't just get the Eucharist right, but see how the Eucharist is right in relation to everything else. It helps to put the other pieces of the puzzle in the right place. Joe Hishmeyer is the uh, keynote speaker at the men's conference uh, on Saturday, March 2nd here in Cleveland. Without giving away the store, Joe, what are, what are some of the themes that you're going to bring up to the hundreds of men who will be assembled there on that day? So, I mean, one of the things I want to talk about is, I, I kind of alluded to this a second ago, but this relationship to worship. So if you look at the New Testament, we often, when we, when we talk about worship or, you know, when you hear about somebody going to go worship on Sunday, that might mean they're going to do any number of things. It could mean they're going to go listen to somebody preach for a long time. Now, preaching is great. Uh, somebody unpacking the Bible, that's great. That's a Bible study. You know, that's, that's teaching, that's study. And that's similar, kind of, to what was going on in the synagogue. And the synagogue was great. Jesus would go to the synagogue every, Sunday, every Saturday. But that wasn't worship. That worship is something deeper. So you have the synagogue, this place of study, and then you have all of these places of prayer, you know, the upper room, these places where you go to be alone uh, to pray. And so, you know, really strikingly in Matthew 6, Jesus actually tells his followers not to pray in the synagogue. He doesn't tell them not to go to the synagogue, but their place of prayer should be something different than that. And then you have this third dimension. So you've got study, you've got prayer, you also have worship. And in John chapter 4, you see this really clearly, that Jesus and the Samaritan woman have this back and forth about where true worship ought to be offered. And, and the Samaritan woman points out that for Jews, it's in Jerusalem, meaning at the temple. And for the Samaritans, it was on Mount Gerizim. And so what is this thing that's worship that's distinct from prayer and study? Well, it's this sacrificial kind of offering. And so even many great Protestant scholars have, have realized that, no, no, the the language of worship in the ancient world is sacrifice. And so in the sacrifice of the Mass, we uncover this language of worship. We uncover what it means to actually worship God. Now, there's other things we can do. You know, we can talk to God. That's great. That's prayer. We can read about God and, and talk about God. That's study. That's preaching. That's all of those things. Those are all good. But do we have this idea of worship with its sacrificial dimension is that at the heart of our experience of God? Because if not, that's a problem, right? If, if you realize, hey, I don't know if I worship God. I just talk to him and talk about him. Well, talking to him and talking about him are great, but do you worship him? And that's one of those things that it's really worth unpacking and I think really uh, making sure we, we have a good understanding of. Is it not, Joe, our nature as human beings created in the image of, and likeness of God to find that key, to find that way to offer to him that authentic worship? It's certainly in our nature to try to do that. I mean, we see 
going back even to Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel, both Cain and Abel are trying to offer sacrificial worship. Now, Cain is not doing it very well. He's offering God kind of the leftovers, where Abel is doing it very well. He's offering the, the firstborn. Uh, and so he's, he's not doing the leftovers. He's, he's doing the, the first and the best. But notably there, even though God hasn't given detailed instructions for how worship uh, is supposed to go, both Cain and Abel have this sense that they're supposed to worship somehow, and that this is going to be sacrificial worship somehow. And so we, you know, we can imagine this is something that's kind of created in the Mosaic Law, but that's not either the biblical or the other historical evidence. You know, if, if you uncover a tribe we've never heard of before tomorrow, it's going to be pretty obvious that they have a, a religious system and that there's some kind of sacrificial system uh, in, in one way, shape, or form. This is something that is deeply uh, embedded in the human experience, and it's only we as moderns who've kind of forgotten about mm-hmm. the nature of worship. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at attendance at Mass, that's just one of the uh, symptoms, I would say, of, of, you know, we have, we'll say, forgotten or, or you know, put aside uh, in our busy cares of life, uh, as, as they say in the Eastern Divine Liturgy, you know, now lay aside all earthly cares of life. To get back to that point, Joe, for a man— after we hear what you have to say and, and, and talk to each other about it, what does that do to us when we have had kind of that spark lit again, that, that pilot light is turned up and we say, oh, this is authentic sacrifice and we're doing it the right way for the right reasons together? What does that then do for us as men? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tremendously spiritually enriching and recharging. The analogy I want to use is, if you've ever gone where maybe you were working or you were just distracted and you didn't realize you kind of skipped a meal or two, and then you go to eat and you suddenly have that experience of, oh, didn't even realize how hungry I was. I think there's often that same kind of thing spiritually, where once we receive it, we realize, I was really hungry for this. I I really needed this. And maybe not even in a way I was cognizant of. Um, but then you mentioned also, you know, just mass attendance. And I think that's an important thing to, to ponder, because there's a two-way street between getting the Eucharist right, you know, having a good understanding and appreciation and devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist, and attending Mass. When you see those stats about, you know, uh, what percentage of Catholics believe in the Real Presence, it's worth breaking it down by, well, what, are we talking about mass-going Catholics? Are we talking about people who, who call themselves Catholic, who maybe go to church on Christmas and Easter, but more likely haven't been to church in years and years, because they're going to have very different beliefs and practices. And it makes sense that they would, right? If, if the Eucharist is just a symbol, well, I can find other places celebrating with that symbol, and maybe I like their music or their preaching better. But if, if the Eucharist is really Jesus Christ, and the choice is, well, this place has good music, but that place has Jesus himself in the flesh— well, that's easy to choose. But it, you'll see that there's that connection. Well, you know, again, with that source and summit kind of concept, my devotion to attending Mass regularly is going to be really rooted in my understanding of the Eucharist. But on the flip side, the more I go to Mass, the more I'm able to understand what it is the Church believes about the Eucharist, and the more opportunity there is for me to fall in love with Jesus in the Eucharist. That's what I mean by it being a two-way street. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a both-and. You want right. to go and vice versa, yeah. 
you mentioned the hunger, you know, the guy that missed a couple meals because he's uh, working and, wow, I don't realize how hungry I am. Uh, we got yeah. a f- just a few minutes left here. Part of the thing with men and everybody today is people are looking everywhere to satisfy that hunger, places you couldn't even thought of years ago. And uh, here we are, the true answer is sitting there in front of us, and sometimes it's tough to get there because we're checking in all these other doors, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Or sometimes we're so busy where maybe we have that sense that something is, is off, something has gone awry, and, and we just haven't taken the time to really stop and figure out what and how. And maybe we feel like overwhelmed with even the, the possibility of how do I have that conversation with God? How do I figure out what's going wrong in my life right now? Because it's so busy, I don't feel like I have time to breathe. Well, that's a good reason to stop and go to a men's conference. You're not going to come out of there, even if I'm terrible as a speaker, even if maybe you don't like the music or you don't like the fellowship, whatever. let's say it goes terribly for you. You've still given God something, and He will honor that. And it's the investment of really one day. Are you really going to get to the end of your life and say, man, I wish I had that day back? Probably not. But you might go back and look and say, you know, that's a point where things really started to change in my life for the better. And so I would just say, if you're at all on the fence, this is something worth uh, taking seriously and praying about. And if you're, if you're even a little bit inclined, I would just say, be bold. There's, there's really a very small chance you're going to regret doing this, and there's a much bigger chance this will be something that enriches your life in the near future or maybe in a much longer sense. Yeah, and you can talk to any of the guys that have been there over the years, Joe, and they'll tell you exactly what, what you're telling uh, the men listening here. You won't regret it. So, Joe, thanks so much for being with us here on this special Wisdom from the Rock program here on AM 1260 The Rock, Cleveland Catholic Radio. Joe Heschmeyer has been our guest. So, guys, uh, he's told you, and, and we'll just tell you how you do this. It's on Saturday, March 2nd, down at the Holiday Inn Independence. So we're coming from city or from the south, east, west. It's right dead smack in the middle. Plenty of parking, all that, the Holiday Inn. You go to cmfneo.com, Catholic Men's Fellowship, northeastohio.com, cmfneo.com. Sign up. See Joe there. Joe, thanks so much. Again, we appreciate everything that you do, your appearances at conferences, your your shameless popery thing, uh, the guys are, people are still digging that tremendously. And most of all, your, your work at one of our favorite and most popular programs, Catholic Answers, from 6 to 8 Eastern here on The Rock every day. It's the whole package, and we're going to be uh, really happy to welcome you here in just a short time, Joe. Oh, thanks. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. We appreciate it. Joe Heschmeyer, our guest here on Wisdom from the Rock. I'm Dick Russ. Dan Dealey is uh, producing this little program here, and we thank most of all you for listening, and we hope you've gathered some wisdom.